0: Acts chapter number 16, let's begin reading in verse number 6. Acts 16 and verse number 6. The scripture says that next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word or the gospel in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Verse 8 says, so instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. And verse 9 tells us that that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there, pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10 says, so we decided to leave for Macedonia at once having concluded that God was calling us to preach the gospel there. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the gospel there. Galatians chapter number 1 and verse number 6. If you'll turn there, Galatians chapter number 1 and verse number 6. This is the Apostle Paul that we just read about, writing. And Paul says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. They're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one that we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, and so I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel that is other, something other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Verse 10 says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? And if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ in lieu of The message title, everyone say the key man. And this question, I want you to look at someone and ask them again, do you know who you are? I want to just quickly look. I want you to see here uh, verse number 9 of Acts 16. If you'll just note, uh, there's six words here in verse number 9. That night Paul had a vision. And then in verse number 10... The writer says that we decided to leave for Macedonia at once. And I also want you to see that he says, having concluded that God was calling us to preach. That night, Paul had a vision. So we decided to leave for Macedonia and concluded that God was calling us. Look at someone again and tell them the key man. And I'll give you this subject again. The effect of a life lived according to the gospel. Set your Bibles down and join hands with the person standing next to you. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word. Father, I thank you that you came in here to speak to us today. You're here to dwell with us, to be among us. But Father, we congregate today as your church, as your people. And Father, we thank you that as we congregate, as we come into a state of agreement, of agreeability, Father, we believe that something unique and special and supernatural happens in moments and in places like this. And Father, we ask you for that unique thing to happen. It might be a word, Father. It might be an anointing that's released. Somebody might get their healing today or their breakthrough today. But Father, we certainly believe that there's something that you hold on reserve for us when we come to church together. And, Father, we ask you to do that thing among us today. Whatever it is that you have already predetermined, Father, do not allow me to stand in your way. Don't allow any of us to stand in your way. But have your way today in this place. Holy Spirit, say and articulate exactly that which you would desire to say to us, your people today, in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said amen and amen. Let's put our hands together one more time. Amen. Look at someone at. Again, and ask them, do you know who you are? Thank you, Josh. And you may have your seat. You cannot shake a person who has located their identity in Jesus. You cannot stop a person whose liberty and freedom is found in this identity. I made this statement from my pulpit in San Antonio. Can I get a hand towel from someone, by the way, just in case... I sweat or spit or something. In case I need to wipe something up, I need a towel. <laughs> uh, a few weeks ago, I preached a message in my church, and I presented this opinion and perspective that I have, Miss Erica, that I believe that the body of Christ is in an identity crisis right now. The, the, identity, the, the body of Christ is suffering from an identity crisis. We don't know exactly who we are For the most part, there are so many believers that don't know exactly what the purpose of the church is, much less the purpose of the Christian life. What is it that we're doing? Why are we attending church? Why are we the church? It seems as though everything is being called into question. Identity crisis. The state of the church represents in many ways our own spiritual state. A juxtaposed state, if you will. Find ourselves having to make hard choices. And many of us don't want to make a choice at all, so we just kind of remain in this state of unknowing or lack of identity. A lack of identity can be a very dangerous thing. I'm going to say it again. The lack of identity can be a very dangerous thing. I'm a believer, though, that The body of Christ is about to emerge stronger than ever, that the believer is going to know more than ever and be as confident in ever in who they are and why they are here. The most powerful moments in church history are moments where the church knows who they are and what they are. The most powerful moments in church history are moments where the church Knows who they are and what they are. I was talking to a man. Thank you so much, Chief. I appreciate that. I was talking to a man that many of you would know his name if I told you his if I said his name right now. Just yesterday, as I was driving down I-35 to meet my dad for lunch, I gave him a ring. He lives here in Oklahoma. Uh, was at one time a very prominent minister. And talking to him, Gino. He told me, man, I I have more pastors and ministers calling me now than I ever have. And I said, why? Why are they calling you? And he said, they're confused. (laughs) I've never seen so many pastors and ministers questioning what they're doing, why they're doing it. He said, I mean, Dustin, these guys are suicidal. They want to quit ministry. He said, so many of them are turning to atheism and It's just like the pressures of this life and where the world is at, it's having an effect on people. And I thought to myself, wow, what a shame. And I just thought within my own little heart, I've had a rough 2020, I'm sure, to the extent that anyone else has. But I don't feel like I'm losing my mind. (laughs) I certainly don't feel like there's not a God. As a matter of fact, I'm more convinced than ever that there's a God with a plan right now. But it was just a reflection of the state of the church to me. That the gospel somehow has been diluted or mutated somewhere. Because where the gospel is working, you don't see people getting shook up like this. Where the gospel is effectual, you see confidence. Where the gospel is effectual, you see effectiveness. Where the gospel is effectual, you see decisiveness. There's a tone that the gospel carries with it. Can somebody say amen? The gospel literally means to bring good news. Most of us know it as good news, but it actually means to bring good news. It actually means by... Definition to announce glad tidings, to bring good news or to announce glad tidings. If, if you had good news from me well, right now, like, you know, I bought you a lottery ticket and it hit the jackpot. <laughs> I don't think that if you were going to bring this news to me, you'd run up in this sanctuary and just look at me. Some of y'all might, some of y'all saying, Oh, yeah, I would. I'd slip that ticket and never tell you that it won. <laughs> but if you had some kind of news, great news, overwhelmingly good news for me, you'd tell me. There'd be something about you that showed me that you have some news for me. And so the gospel simply means to bring good news, to announce glad tidings in other words i'm not carrying any kind of gospel if there's no kind of disposition within me that says to you there is something that i have for you that you don't have for yourself yet that you need in your life most of us will say that i don't have the boldness nor do i feel i have the the, the ability to articulate that in language to someone Oh, yes, but you have the ability to articulate that in disposition would be my argument. And it's disappointing to know that so many Christians carry themselves as if even if they could articulate it, they wouldn't have anything good to say anyway, because everything about our body language, everything about our communication in our home and at work and in the office really is not saying that we believe that there is good news that we have to announce. Can I get up in your living room today? To announce glad tidings, to announce, to announce, to announce is not a conversation. An announcement is an announcement. An announcement is not a whisper. An announcement has a certain tone about it. You know, one of the most critical and pivotal moments in any person's life is what I'll refer to this morning as the moment of self-declaration. The moment of self-declaration. A moment of self-declaration within this context here in church this morning is when a person, this is how I defined it with my old uneducated country self, through after a period of time in relationship with the Spirit of God, expresses with clarity and full confidence the declaration or a declaration concerning who they are. A moment of self-declaration is when a person through after a period of time in relationship with the Spirit of God expresses with clarity and full confidence a declaration concerning who they are now it's in my opinion Christian that for the believer this should be a moment that is desperately sought after for the believer this should be a moment that should become a staple moment in their life and although I feel this way concerning the believer sadly Most of us will never arrive at this pivotal moment of assured revelation, if you will. Many of us will never and many or have never had, excuse me, near the impact that that, that, that we can possibly have, Gino, because we've never arrived at this moment of self-declaration. In our text here... The second part that I had you turn to in Galatians chapter number one. There is somewhat of a self-declaration going on here, Brother JC. If you look at Galatians chapter number one and verse number one, you see that the Apostle Paul immediately, and of course, he was writing according to Roman form, and he was being... uh uh, correct with with the way he's laying this letter out but you know the first thing that you do when you're writing a letter is you you declare who you are you don't just give a name but you give your name and your position in the earth and so the apostle paul says paul an apostle in galatians chapter number one and verse number one paul an apostle this is paul writing to the church at galatia This is him opening his letter Paul an apostle sent not from men nor by a man but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me. This is Paul the apostle sent not from men nor by a man but by Jesus Christ and by God the Father what? Is the Apostle Paul doing? The Apostle Paul is making a self declaration. Now it's important to note here that Paul is just coming off of his second or his first missionary journey. And up to this point, you know, there's been some testing concerning Paul's position within the church. And the reason I choose this passage among Many that we see the Apostle Paul making these self declarations is because this is one of the very first letters that he writes. And this is an audacious part that the man who formerly persecuted is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. They praise God because of me. I need to ask you question, Church. What would you do if a man of God grabbed the microphone and told you that we just had revival down the street in Tulsa, and we were in Tulsa, and they didn't know who I was? And They kind of heard about my reputation, but after everything that transpired up there in Tulsa, the end result was that they were praising God because of me. (laughs) Look, y'all are already looking at me like a mule looking at a batch of fresh briar. Everyone say these words, the key man. Ask somebody these words. Do you know who you are? Most of us don't want to accept this kind of language because there's an obligation that comes along with it. Lord, don't make me have church all by myself up in here. Uh Uh-huh. Because when a man makes this assertion concerning himself, then it's going to cause you to ask, well, what have I done? And if there were more believers that would... Stop being envious concerning that I don't see my effect in who is getting saved. I wish there would be more believers question their own life concerning how many people am I prohibiting from having a relationship with God because I refuse to walk in the self-confidence of who I am. Hmm. Can we go there this morning? I'll say it again. Many of us have never had near the impact that we're possible that, that we can that we capable of having because we've never arrived at a moment of self-declaration. You know, the apostle Paul was so impactful, he was so influential, and he was so effectual in large part. Because of who he declared himself to be. Can we keep walking this path here a little bit? Paul was so impactful, so influential and effective, Dad, because of who he declared himself to be. In other words, had he not been talking such a big game, then the effect of what he was doing may not have been what it was. But because he had the audacity to say, I know who I am. I know that I was chosen by God. I don't need you to tell me. I don't need you to remind me. I know that he chose me. I know that I'm an apostle. I know who I am. It began to do what confidence always does. That's how the gospel works, y'all. The gospel is an identification process. Self-declaration demands a response from the world around you. The apostle Paul had so much confidence that it had an effect. Paul wasn't the first one to do this. When Pastor Josh called me, Dad, and said, we're preaching in the gospels, I thought about all these different moments in the Gospels that I could have preached from this morning. But in light of this message, I thought, is there a more powerful moment, Ryan, my brother, in all of the Gospels than what we see in Luke chapter number 4? Is there anything that transpires in the Gospels that is more powerful than Luke 4, because without Luke 4, I'm not sure that we have a gospel. Without Luke 4, I'm not sure that that, that the plan pans out the way that we see it pan out, Pastor Josh. Because before you ever catch Jesus at Caesarea Philippi, looking at his disciples... Asking them, now y'all tell me who do men say that I am. Before you ever see him asking this question, which is an important question, Christian. I think this is found in around Matthew 15. I don't have it in my notes here, but this this is an important question in the Gospels. Who do men say that I am because somebody had to declare it. Somebody had to say it. So everyone's saying, well, some people say. That you're Elijah. Some people say that you're Moses. Some people say that you're John the Baptist. Yeah, yeah, but but who, who do you say that I am? And and, and and the Apostle Peter, he's still Simon at this time. He he says, Lord, I say that you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Now, now, this is an important moment in church history. A lot of people look at this as the birth of the church because it's at this point of the Apostle Peter being able to identify who he is clearly that he is able to receive a confident revelation concerning who he is because of his revelation concerning who Jesus is. I see that you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven has shown this to you and you'll no longer be called Simon, but your name's not going to be called Peter, Cephas, the rock. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church upon what? Upon this moment right here, upon this process of identification. In other words, you can't take this DNA out of the church. In other words, this is a process that you got to walk through yourself. There's an identification process that if you refuse to go, to, how in the world are you the same person that you were 10 years ago if you are really walking with him there's a change that's noted this is an important moment but it likes impact if Jesus doesn't know who he is himself so in Luke chapter number four we see that Jesus even and I'm almost finished makes this kind of self Declaration Himself. In Luke 4 and verse number 14, the scripture says that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. This is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, and verse number 14. And news about Him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised Him. And He went to Nazareth, where He had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, He went. Into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. He searched it out and made this proclamation, this declaration concerning himself. That the spirit of the Lord is on me. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him because self-declaration always demands a response from the world around you it's not that his name changed he was still Jesus it's not that his family changed. Mary and Joseph were still his parents, according to what everyone there knew. What changed? There was something about him that was noticeably different, Christian, in this moment in time. He had come to understand who he was. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing confidence, as always had a certain kind of effect. Confidence has always had a certain kind of effect. Look at what they asked. They asked in verse number 22 of Luke 4, isn't this Joseph's son? Why did they ask this? Because they knew that this confidence he has is coming from somewhere. And it doesn't make any kind of sense. His confidence was coming from somewhere even though it didn't make any kind of sense to them. You know, a person can be confident and it doesn't have to make sense to you. Can somebody say amen? You can be confident without it having to make sense to everybody else around you. You don't have to make sense to everybody in order to walk in the confidence of who God created you to be. Can I get an amen in this place? Some of us are looking for too many amens and yeses and agreeable comments and likes and social media stuff and the right kind of phone calls when you know who you are in Jesus. You know who you are. You don't need everybody else's approval. Who is this? This confidence was coming from somewhere. Now, self-declaration cannot happen from a false place. Self-declaration has to happen from a place of authenticity. Where is this coming from? It came from a season that Jesus had just spent, Dad. Oh, I'm going overtime already. Right. I'm 30. How long have I been preaching? 20? Am I at my 25-minute mark? I got two minutes. I'm going to wrap it up. I just realized, uh uh-oh, it's 11.56. (laughs) No, I'm going to look at that wall. (laughs) I got one daddy in this house, y'all. He's sitting right there. uh, No offense to anyone else in here. (laughs) I said, Dad, how long you may preach today? He said, 25 minutes. That internal clock just went, er, er." But it came from a season, and I'll wrap it up. I got a lot more here, but I think that the Lord is doing what he came to do in here. It came from a, a season, a 40-day season for Jesus. And y'all know 40 is always symbolic of a generational work, of a cyclical work. In other words, he wasn't dealing with petty matters in this 40 days. Jesus has just come out of a 40-day period that the, the scripture says in Luke chapter number four that the spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness to be tempted where he was tempted is what some versions say others say to to be tempted but regardless he's walking with the spirit of the Lord he's walking with the spirit of the Lord and he, and he goes through this season you know the, 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 the enemy looks at Jesus and says You know, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone. That's what he said. But what he showed is that he could make it through a season without miracles from heaven. And it wasn't going to cause him to forget who he was. Mm -hmm. You know what creates an effectual gospel in a person? when they can walk through a season in their life where they're not seeing any kind of miracles and not forget who they are. Can somebody say amen? Dad, I wanna thank you that you walked through seasons in your life that didn't look like other seasons in your life and it did not change who you were. It didn't change your confidence in who you were. The enemy said, bow down, I'll give you all these kingdoms. You know his response. Jesus responded, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's what he said. But what he showed is that he didn't need the control and the accolades of other people in order to be confident in who he was. He didn't need that in order to show him who he who he was. And dad, I want to thank you that at times there have been people by the thousands And at times there ain't been no one around as the scripture says that David prayed. I looked to my left. I looked to my right. There was no, no one to be found. And there's been seasons in your life like that, but it caused you, but it did not cause you to lose your confidence in who you are. He said, jump off this cliff. Don't you know the angels will save you? Jesus said, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And a side note for some of y'all, some of y'all need to stop being cliff-edge livers. You know, the Lord would like for you to come off the edge of that cliff. That's a side note. Little extra from the word. Uh Uh-huh. The enemy was trying to get him to think and contemplate suicidal thoughts. And what he showed is even when the enemy is trying to make me lose my mind, I'm not going to forget who I am. And I thank you, Dad, that through some of the Worse attacks on a psyche that you can see a person go through. Some of the things I've had to see you walk through. And it's never caused you to even go there. These phone calls that I heard about yesterday from, you know who I was talking to. It didn't, it didn't apply to, to my dad, to my father, and to my bishop. Because I watched him walk through seasons where he probably should have lost his mind. But never lost confidence in who he was. Can somebody say amen? Amen. It takes confidence to walk in who you are. Everyone say the key men, the key man. Look at your neighbor and ask them, do you know who you are? Just ask them. that. I believe it's because of all this that the apostle Paul could write like what he wrote in Philippians chapter number one. That I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for you. He says, I always pray with joy. This is the apostle because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now. He says, being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Why could Paul write this? He could write this because he had lived this. Can someone say amen? He had lived this. I want to encourage you today, church. Don't lose your confidence. Some of you are wondering, well, why? Did you call this message for your dad key man? Because when you walk in this position, then you carry an Acts chapter number 16 kind of anointing. That night, Paul had a vision in Acts chapter number 16 and verse number 9. And a man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we, this is Luke writing, decided to leave for Macedonia at once because we concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Dad, I want to thank you for being the key man and being as confident as you've been because it's only through your confidence in seasons that so many of the rest of us have been able to make the right transitions in our own life. Many of us don't want to accredit relationship dynamics to the kingdom the way that it should be accredited. There's a certain anointing that God places on certain people to be a hinge, if you will, to be an access point in the lives and destinies of those around them. But that can only happen for people that no matter the circumstances they go through, no matter the seasons when others want to cause them to question their own confidence and who they are, they stay determined That they are exactly who God said that they are. They are exactly who God proclaimed them to be. And stay steady and consistent in walking in that purpose and that call. That's been your pastor, Quest Church. That's been your bishop and that's been your overseer. I want us to stand up this morning and I want us to honor our man of God one more time. Let's put our hands together and honor him one more time. Amen. And I want you to look at your neighbor and ask them, do you know who you are? Although I obviously preach this message to honor my father And a life that has been lived according to the gospel And because of it it's been effectual As I preach this word There may be some of you in here that say you know what I've never really stood confidently in who I am I've never really made a declaration concerning myself I've allowed my circumstances to define me I've allowed other people's opinions and perspectives to define me. And some of those perspectives are very qualified. Some of them are very certified sometimes. But you got to be able to know when to say, you know what, I know who the Lord said that I am. And it doesn't matter who says what, I know that I can still be used by God, that I will be used by God. I have not ever lost purpose. Can somebody say amen? If this is your word, if that's your word, then lift those hands towards heaven. Father... Let this word take seed and whoever needed this word today, let let the seed take root. Let the root produce fruit. Father, I thank you for an identity crisis coming to an end in your body. Father, I thank you that there will be an emerging church, and there is now, even in this hour. Father, a group of people that are confident about who we are. Father, a group of people that know exactly why you have sent us here to this earth. And Father, I pray that you strengthen us and enable us to walk in the anointing and the purpose that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.